We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Welcome indeed to Kilkenny Today with Frank Tynan and uh, nice to be with you for the start of a new week of Kilkenny uh, Today here on your community of Kilkenny City. Um, I'd like to um, also thank my colleague Anne Nolan for her production assistance today with the programme as always. And um, it's let's start I suppose because we've got a busy programme and um, for the month of March all players, parents and supporters of ice hockey in Ireland are asked to march to the rink with the goal of raising funds but also to raise the awareness of the lack of a permanent ice rink in Ireland. To discuss further this fundraising and awareness campaign I'm delighted to welcome to Kilkenny today Paul Cummins who has campaigned now for many years for a multi-sports facility here in Kilkenny and also recognised locally and nationally for his great work in the promotion of hockey. Paul, how are you? Hi, Frank, how are you? So good to talk to you. Hope you're keeping well. Uh, as good as we can, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, listen, we're in strange times here. I mean, but um, hopefully tomorrow I think we're going to have maybe an announcement, which will be we're all waiting for eagerly. But um, back to the uh, fundraising venture, um, Paul, perhaps you might just explain to our listeners, it's it's for March, so we're obviously coming to the end of it now, uh, the idea and uh, how you came about the idea and how it's been going for you. Um, so yeah, it, it, awareness is the big, biggest thing for for us as a as the boys a minority sport in this country. So um, facilities is a big is a big problem. Yeah. Um, the president of the Ice Hockey Association came up with the concept um, March to the Rink because we to play ice hockey in particular, we have to travel to Belfast. Yeah. Um, and ice time up there is is limited. Um, so we end up travelling up there on a Saturday evening. We get onto the ice to play our games at 10 o'clock at night. We're off the ice and out of the facility at 12 o'clock. And by the time we get home, um, especially us in Kilkenny, um, it's, it's close to 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, So just... yeah. Huge commitment, Paul, and uh, it's a huge journey. I mean, it's about, it must be over 300 kilometres, I reckon. Um, yeah, it's exactly 305 kilometres from my house, so it's a six-hour round trip, wow. kind of, all together, really, you know. By the time you pick up a couple of players, because we try and travel up in, in, in as little cars as possible, and we get up there, play, get back, it, it's a long, long journey, you know. So we play it for an hour and a half, so it's a six-hour journey for an hour and a half game, really. So, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a commitment, all right. But but you've been doing it and uh, with great success, uh, may I add as well. And um, mm-hmm. I suppose again, trying to create awareness is, is is so important for every sport. But as you said, obviously, well, I, as I said as well at the intro, you have been to the forefront for many years now to try and improve the facilities here, particularly in Kilkenny, but I suppose nationally as well. 
Yes, um, so I, I, I coach the local club, as most people know, in, in, in this life. I have, I have two clubs, really, I suppose. They're all in there, people that know me from the kickboxing club, which I'm still heavily involved in. Absolutely. And for the last 15 years, then, it, it's been... Um, it, 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 I've run and coached the, the Kenny Storm Ice and Inline Hockey Club. Um, and we've, we've come strength to strength. And in that, then, I've become a national coach. Um, I'm the head coach for the, under, the junior men's. I'm an assistant coach for the senior men's. And we travel all over the world. It is a big enough sport in Ireland. Um, we play roller hockey, um, inline hockey in Kilkenny, um, which is, is the same kind of concept except on wheels. A yes. lot of the same things are used. You know, the stick is the same. The the pads, a lot of the pads are the same. It's just to change the wheels and the actual puck. So the movement is simulated on, on floor. But um, yeah, so so for us for the storm, this is a it's a two page thing. So we're trying to um, give awareness to nationally about um, the need for it, it's not even for for ice hockey because it's a it's a ice sports facility um, in which all ice sports can use you know figure skating, uh, of course, the ice hockey, um, curling. They're all Olympic sports and they're all big sports all over the world. Uh, but of course, just, just not in Ireland, you know. Of course. Um, and then uh, locally for ourselves, for um, our own sports, and again, for wheel sports and high-impact sports, which all in Ireland are not really uh, geared to, you know, they have uh, soft wooden floors, they have glass, they have um, plastered walls, and a lot of even the, the sports halls, even the newer ones, have pillars on the inside, which is just baffling. Makes it impossible for not Yeah, they're just not... Um, like if you walk anywhere else in the world, they're 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 proper multi-purpose sports facilities. They're they're built that nothing can be broken. That the the floor is easy fix. It's usually a, a tile floor of some sort, and that you know that's what I'm fighting for in Kilkenny. That that all the sports that can't and don't exist in Kilkenny that fast. Yeah, um, that's that's what we want, you know. And how do you think that we're progressing towards that idea? Paul, I mean, are you, you know, are, are doors opening for you? I mean, I know you've been knocking at doors for a long time, but how do you feel? I mean, you know, now in 2021, are we any closer, do you reckon? <laughs> it's a hard question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's not really a hard question. It's a hard question to answer and, and, and be, not get upset about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 15 years since I first proposed this. Um, we've got a lot of backing down through the years, um, especially political backing and stuff, but one by one, even they're finding it difficult to get any kind of... Um, any kind of comeback from, from the powers that be, whether it be the council, whether it be the funding and stuff like that. Um, nobody in 15 years has ever, has ever said that this is not needed, that this is not a thing that they, they think wouldn't work. Um, everyone believes in it, but there's just nobody to push it forward. Um, our biggest effort has happened in the last couple of months. Um, we've been we've always been told that we need a business plan and a feasibility study. You know, a club like ours would never afford stuff like that. There are about 20,000 to do. And, and so um, between a couple of uh, contacts between um, the Kenny Recreation Sports Partnership and the others, and, and, and I mean hundreds of meetings, we're finally, uh, looks like we're getting funding for at least a feasibility study. Um, and hopefully that'll bring us a step further to at least acknowledging that, you know, Kenny needs needs these kind of facilities, you know. Um, there's there's really none in the country as such. They're all yeah. built old school, but um, school halls are built the same. They're just, you know, there's no forward thinking. There's no people going to, to countries or to facilities that are working all over the world for all sports. Like a multi-purpose facility should be what it is. It should be for all sports, but it's well, just not the case, though. So. 
absolutely like and again so much well done to you and your colleagues because at least there's a start but at the same time I suppose as we faced into the last 12 months I mean hopefully tomorrow is going to be a bit of an announcement I know obviously yourselves obviously in, in the games that you do you must have been greatly restricted over the last 12 months yeah, so the, the kickboxing club is, I suppose, totally um, all indoor sports is gone, and then, of course, the, the hockey. Yeah. And then, you know, when we come out of this and we get back to some kind of normality, yeah. these are the facilities that are going to really help people cope with things. Like, kids have been cooked up and, you know, when homeschooling and all that. They need a, they're going to need a release. And, and let's face it, we, we live in a, a multicultural society now, and... and Hurling and soccer and rugby are great, but you know they're the mainstream sports in Ireland. But we don't have that kind of society anymore. Um, where where twenty years ago that that's what ninety percent of the people played. Um, our our members are are kids of immigrants. They're immigrants. We have one or two actually asylum seekers. Uh, it's a broad mix of, of people from all over the world that just aren't interested in those sports. And I know there's, there's hundreds of thousands of those people all over all over Ireland and. That's why these facilities are partner. We need uh, the powers that be to recognise that and and build facilities to hold the sports that the communities are, are interested in playing. And we just happen to be one of them. Absolutely, and again, I was just reading um, an article about yourself, Paul. And uh, I know, like the the, the, the important traits that pe- people who play camo- or play ice hockey, uh, you know, c- commitment. I mean, they're very committed, both the families and the players. And and, and these are all the traits that we should be uh, passing on to our young people. Like, so they're, it's a great education for life as well, isn't it? Same as any sport, obviously. But and yeah. it's it's sport really is important. a massive thing for people. I, I'm a product of that. You know, I left yeah. school very left school at fourteen, and I've never been in trouble in my life. I've always been involved in stuff. Um, I give back to the community, as I said. I, I coached in kickboxing. I've uh, I've achieved um, as a competitor to a high standard. But I've also stayed on and I've coached and brought kids in that sport. But I've also done it in inline hockey and ice hockey. So you know, in technically in three sports, I coached at the highest level. I played and competed at the highest level in all the sports. But you know, and, and I just continue. And that to me is important. And and all sports will do that. I'm not just. Now. Of course, so absolutely. Yeah, all sports do that, and a big advocate of that. Um, it's just, I think, it's time that that you know that, that the powers that be broadened their minds and, and saw exactly what's needed. There's clubs in in Kilkenny that have folded because the facilities are not there for them. They're they're training and playing in car parks and then traveling and trying to compete. Um, like we're in the facilities that just not we're, we're delighted to have it, but it's just not suitable. We can't play home games. Too small. There's pillars, glass. And and you know we we go up to Belfast and we we beat teams and it's well documented we beat teams that that play in that facility and that's their home facility we've gone to Longford where there's a an inline rink and and beat teams there that are home teams there so we're doing something right and sometimes our our success is is our downfall you know they're kind yeah. of thinking well if you know if we're doing that well why why do we need these facilities because we want to play home games and we want to we want to provide these kids with with you know with, with support us in their hometown and show them what they're doing and we still have to travel we still have to have that dedication but at least this way we'll be able to um, you know show, show. You know, that, that's a big thing. Well, I absolutely agree with you, uh, Paul. And again, you said it yourself, like, I mean, you know, the, the more sports that children can play, I mean, because they may not all want to play rugby, soccer, hurling, uh, Gaelic football. And, uh, you know, if, if they start to play ice hockey, I mean, the, the, the training, as I said, and the exercise, and I mean, from a health point of view, you know, we've been told constantly, children must get out and play. So, yeah. you know, it's so important, isn't it? It, it, it is. Choice. Uh, basically... Sport is, is a proven fact. It's it's um it's both physically and mentally um important um for for your well being and, and it's just a known fact. So uh, and that's any sport. You know, 
know. And then the kids that are not into sports, well, they'll have their little niche, you know. Of course. Whatever it is, things are, are into computer games. Yeah, and music. So, you know, absolutely. Yeah, they didn't grow a niche yet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just intrigued, I mean, to know yourself. Um, obviously, as you said, Paul, you've been a sports person all your life, but uh, you're interested in ice hockey, or you're interested in ice hockey. How did that develop in yeah. particular, if I might ask? So, um, a couple of years ago, it was a good few years ago now, um, I, I was running a club and I was big into sports, and um, there was, my brother was involved in, in, in inline hockey, and he was, the first game to be played was in Kilkenny, was being played and they were looking for a sponsor and, and I said that I'd sponsor him and he um, I went to watch it I was I was kind of busy at the time I think we only had one one child at the time and um, so I had 10 minutes to turn up you know <laughs> say my things and then leave uh, an hour and a half later I was still there amazed with this wow this new sport I was after watching so like I said sport I, I, I struggle in life with most things sports is the only thing I don't really struggle with the rest of life I have problems with so this was an exciting sport. It was fast-paced. It was right down my alley. And within a couple of months, I was playing. I've, I've captained the national team in both ice hockey and, and inline hockey. I'm, only, I'm the only person ever to do both. And now I coach in both disciplines. So sport is, is you know, I, I get it. It's, like I said, it's the rest of life I struggle with. So it's just important to me. We, we have about 100 members. Kids from every every aspect of life, from, from all over the world that live here in Ireland now by whatever way, by, by their parents immigrating, by them. And it's just, they deserve the same thing as, as uh, the hurling clubs and the soccer clubs and all there. And it's not a big ask. It's just a basic hall that can fit a facility. So, you know, so they can have the same aspects of all sports. And, and everything deserves it. Every, every sport or anybody that, that, that represents their country deserves that Absolutely, and I, I believe as well, Paul, that you, for maybe uh, children starting off, that, that you provide the, the equipment maybe initially just to see if they like it and give them a start. Is that, am I right in that? Or? Yeah, so over the last 20 years, it, uh, equipment is a big, a big, and yeah. a So soccer and hurling and those, it's not too bad. You can buy a hurl and a football locally in soccer boots, but for hockey, it, it's impossible. You have to go to Europe or, or to, to America or North America. Uh, get this. So for the last twenty years, we've been um, we've been trying to gather funding and doing fundraising to get bits and pieces in. So to get to get somebody kitted up to try our sport, probably will cost about three hundred euros uh, at minimum cost. Um, our, our association, I talk association, have made a lot of contact over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, we have a committee there which I'm involved in, which reach out to, to the, the super clubs, I suppose, um, uh, American clubs and Canadian clubs. Um, and they, we do a lot of fundraising through them, and they have a lot of gear that they can ship across. So over the last 20 years, we, we've, we've accumulated a, quite a lot of gear and through some grants and funding. So right now, we're in a position that we can take kids in. We can give them a couple of months of, of gear that they can use and take home and wash and play, see if they like the sport. And if they do, well, then they can invest in, in stuff down the line. So that's our, that was one of our biggest hurdles in starting our junior program. Well we done. have a massive program now, so it, yeah, it, it really, really worked out, you know. Oh. And again, it's helped from everybody. It's not just, oh, of course. It's not just me, it was, it was everybody. It was a big team behind but it's fantastic and I suppose it goes back to where we started I mean the, the need for fundraising and uh, let's just remind uh, people again listening to the programme the march to the rink we've got a few days left and people can donate yes yeah so the, yeah they can go. there's a GoFundMe page that are on um, Kilkenny's farm pages and yourselves are, are promoting it yeah. again it, it's the show so each player is going to walk uh, run cycle or skate the 300 kilometres that it takes from Kilkenny 
to Belfast and they're doing that over the month of March and if, if anybody will is willing to donate that would be fantastic Absolutely and they're all doing it obviously at, at home in their own uh, 5KMs and they just maybe do a little piece each day at home and uh, it's a fantastic idea Exactly there's lots of routes around where you can go around in circles we're lucky enough to have um, a place over over beside us where I think it's like a quarter of a kilometre around the pitch so that's, that's where they can do it and tarmac and they skate and run it and it's getting all the kids out and it's fantastic Listen, Paul Cummins, it's a wonderful idea. Can I wish you continuous success and uh, we look forward to getting your players back doing what they love best over the coming weeks Frank, and months. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's Thank a you. pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, Paul. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, great story there. And uh, Paul Cummins, we'll talk about it again later on. But let's take my first ad break now. Kilkenny's only community radio station. We're local like you. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Music therapy is a hugely effective and innovative treatment for people living with neurological conditions. In Ireland, interest in utilising neurologic music therapy is growing in many healthcare facilities. And joining me now to discuss neurologic music therapy is Dr Shane Cassidy, the founder of Ireland's only neurologic music therapy clinic. Dr Cassidy, how are you? Nice to I'm talk to good, you. I'm Frank. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're so delighted to have you on Community Radio Kilkenny City and I hope the day is as nice where you are in Dublin as it is here in Kilkenny. It is indeed. The sun, the sun is shining through here, so nice to see. It's nice to see. Listen, um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating area, which we'll go into in a few moments, if it's okay, mm-hmm. Shane. But um, just how you developed your own interest in, in, in this area, maybe. Yeah, so I suppose growing up, music was always a massive part of my life. You know, I yeah. always played musical instruments. I started playing piano at the age of three. Um, following that, I started playing the clarinet at about nine or ten. So even throughout my childhood and teens it was always a massive part and I think studying music at third level was always a thing I, I aimed for. So I did that and so I did a music degree in Trinity here in Dublin and after that I suppose uh, you know I was faced with that option what next following yeah. a music degree so I went on and became a primary school teacher and I spent six years working in a variety of settings between mainstream and special educational needs settings and I suppose it was there I saw the real power of music for other people I had already seen it for myself but actually how it can aid learning how it can aid people maybe who have additional needs and it's just that different medium for learning so that led me to explore music therapy and um, there's only one training course here in Ireland um, yes. and that's in Limerick in the University of Limerick um, so I applied for that and very luckily got it um, so that's a two year full time training course and I suppose within that then I developed a huge interest particularly in the, the neurologic end of things um, so that led me then to do a PhD so that was a three year study between the University of Limerick and the National Rehabilitation Hospital and following on from that then setting up Neuralinks here in Dublin. Yes, which is which is a clinic and we'll talk about that maybe that later on as well in the programme but um, I mean, listen, you've got the background obviously and um, I, I suppose your, your your love for music I mean, obviously led you down this pathway but but the whole area of music therapy is is a growing one as as we are, as I just said in, in the intro but um, but we're not really up to where, where other countries are yet in Ireland. No. No. We're, we're still unfortunately lagging a little bit behind, you know. Uh, our counterparts say in the UK, the Nordic countries, the US, they're, they're 
decades ahead of us in terms of wow. recognising it and that statutory recognition as an allied health professional. Yes. Um, now, having said that, it is a massively growing field. A lot of research going on here in Ireland, and you see a lot more of the, the bigger healthcare settings acknowledging it and, and advertising posts for music therapists, which is amazing to see. Well, it's fantastic. And of course, again, like the numbers, um, 800,000 people in Ireland today living with uh, neurological conditions, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge number, isn't it? It is. And that report the other day from the Neurological Alliance of Ireland, there's, yeah. there's a, an additional 22,500 people on waiting lists for their first appointment with a neurologist. So that's in addition to the 800,000 who are already living with conditions. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe just for our listeners as well, just to maybe explain how music therapy might work and how it, uh, yeah. what the techniques are involved. Would that be okay, Shane? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I suppose it's all very individual, you know, to, yeah. as a very much a baseline and starting point. We all have a, a lot of us have a, have a very close relationship with music in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Whether that be a preference for a particular genre or the fact that we might play an instrument or, you know, so we're harnessing that in a music therapy setting and it's, you know, what's developing is a triadic relationship between therapist, client and the music. Yes. Um, within that then, over the past number of years, particularly since the late 90s, we have a lot more information about what exactly is happening within the brain. Um, when we engage in music, simply listening to music can activate a widespread region of brain regions. Well, um, that's so interesting because, again, from a scientific point of view, I suppose, you know, you can actually do brain scans and you can see the, the improvement yeah. or how it works, which must yeah. be fascinating as well, obviously. So it is. It's quite incredible. It's, you know, these are all regions that are involved when we move, yeah. when, we're, when we're speaking, when we're trying to remember something, paying attention... Uh, when we're regulating emotions. So I suppose that's its real power because, you know, for example, you, listen, you hear a song and it instantly brings you back to a, a place in time or an association with a person. Absolutely. And the reason that happens is because when we encode a memory, we generally encode it with an emotion, a strong emotion. Yeah. So when we hear that song again, that song is activated memory centers, the emotional centers, and therefore, it's, it's evoking that memory quite strongly. And there are many different conditions that can benefit from this therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Within, I, I, I suppose, there's the whole mental health side of things as well, but, which, of course, is involved in, with people with neurological conditions. But, uh, you know, my work would see me working with people who've had a stroke, acquired brain injury, those with a diagnosis of autism or... Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis. So it is quite a, a broad range of, of uh, conditions. And again, I think you mentioned, uh, Shane, that obviously you're part of a team, really, um, um, and it's very much, even if, 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 if um, um, people are on medication and so on, this can be an, an additive effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so generally we'd be working, you know, we'd be liaising quite closely with other professionals. So there's an obvious kind of overlap there with physiotherapy if, if somebody is coming with the goal of improving their movement um, a lot of overlap there with speech and language therapy sometimes if, if, if that's the goal um, so there'll be a lot of kind of liaising with other health professionals in my work at the National Rehabilitation Hospital 
that would would have been the case where you're working very closely with with other health professionals to work on common goals and treatment plans. And I suppose again, um, perhaps clients they don't necessarily have to maybe love music or maybe play a musical instrument. It's just that it's it's a form of maybe uh, connecting with yourself and trying to find maybe how best to express themselves. Am I right in saying Absolutely, that? Absolutely, yeah. yes, one hundred percent. I think that initial, you know, when people are referred initially or they're making an inquiry, they're actually quite nervous. Yeah. Because yeah, there's that assumption I think that you need to have musical skills or prior knowledge in music which isn't the case at all. An interest in music is beneficial. You know, I think yeah. it makes the whole experience more enjoyable or potentially enjoyable um, because we're always looking to incorporate someone's personal music, musical preference within sessions. Um, but that's as far as it goes. I suppose the rest of it, a lot of the work is quite prescribed, as I say, in terms of working with someone improving their movement. Yeah. We're really honing it on rhythmic aspect of music yeah. and using a very strict tempo to try and increase maybe their tempo of walking, their speed and their quality of walking. So if we can incorporate personal music choice and preference within that, amazing. Um, but I have had people come to me in the past as well with no particular interest in music yeah. and it was very much just the prescriptive use of music. Let's just use rhythm here to, to improve your walking. So I suppose, um, obviously we're living with COVID-19. Has that been a difficult process for yourself in relation to what you do over the last 12 months? It has. Yeah. It has definitely affected things. You know, we are deemed essential services, so we have been ongoing. We've been allowed to be ongoing, but obviously it was, you know, quite nerve-wracking for people coming to the clinic. So... Some of it went virtual, some of it went online, um, which I suppose is an amazing option. Um, but we're now back. We actually took a bit of a break after Christmas, but we're now back face-to-face -face, um, in, in the clinic in Sandyford. So it's, it's nice to be back with all the PPE and restrictions in place, of course. Well, it's a fascinating area, and as you mentioned, obviously, you've got uh, your clinic, uh, Neuralinks, and it's based in Sandyford in Dublin 18. And um, right. perhaps in relation to um, our listeners who may want to make contact with you, how does the whole process work, Shane? So a lot of referrals would be made by the person themselves. Okay. You know, it's not necessary to have a GP referral or a consultant referral. Um, so our website is neurolinks.ie. Okay, that's very and straightforward. All of my contact details are are on there. We're also on social media, so we we try to make it as easy as possible to get in touch. Absolutely. And um, each, I suppose, uh, session that you have, how long does it last? Is there a time period or? So what? generally, depending on where a person is at, it might be an hour. It might be forty minutes, yeah. and it largely just depends, as I say, what people are able for. Um, and their own personal preference. Well, it's a fascinating area um, of study, which obviously you've, you've done much study in, and um, it's been wonderful talking to you, Dr. Shane Cassidy. Likewise, uh, Frank, thank and, you. And uh, the Neuralinks Clinic is based in Sandyford, and as you said, anybody who just can uh, Google your own, um, well, neuralinks.ie, and uh, lots of information up there. That's right, yeah. Well, listen, Dr. Shane Cassidy, great talking to you. Have a great day, and uh, we look forward maybe to speaking you again. You too, Frank. Take care. Thanks very much, Shane. Bye. Bye. Community Radio Kilkenny City. Local like you. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.
Play Community Radio Kilkenny City Split the Pot Monthly Draw whenever you see the yellow boxes. Put two euros in the envelopes provided. Write your name and contact number on the envelope and drop the envelope in the yellow box. Be in it to win. The more envelopes you have in the yellow box, the better chance you have of winning. You can also get the envelopes from any volunteer of Community Radio Kilkenny City or at the radio station at 32 Hebron Industrial Estate, just off the Hebron Road. Be in it to win it. Monday, Monday, Monday. Mary's Meals is an international movement to set up uh, school feeding projects in communities where poverty and hunger prevent children from gaining an education. Mary's Meals now provides daily meals in schools for 1.8 million children in 18 different countries. Joining me now on Community Radio Kilkenny City to discuss the charity work of Mary's Meals is Father Eamon Kelly, who is the chairman of the Mary Meals Ireland uh, Board. Father Kelly, how are you? I'm very good, Frank. Thank you for having us on. It's a pleasure to talk to you up there in Donegal, I believe. Yeah, it's cold and wet at the moment, but we're hoping for better things to come. Yeah, beautiful part of Ireland, obviously, and um, it's nice to talk to you, as I said. Listen, it's, 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 um, I'm just reading up, obviously, on, on the work of Mary's Meals, and it's a, it's a fascinating story, isn't it, how it all began? Perhaps maybe for our listeners, you might uh, just give us a, a synopsis of, um, of the charity itself. Uh, well, surely to goodness. Um, Mary's Meals is a very simple idea. We feed children in school. It began uh, in 2002 when our founder, a, a Scotchman called Magnus McFarlane Barrow, was visiting Malawi during the famine. And he was asked, would he visit this young lady who was dying? Unfortunately, uh, her husband had already died. And he was in visiting uh, Emma. And Emma asked that he would pray that somebody would take care of her children after her day because she knew it was getting short. So Magnus chatted to her for a little while and then uh, turned to Emma's oldest boy, Edward, a lad of 14, and asked a question that us adults often ask of children. He says, Edward, what do you want to do in life? And Edward said, I would like to go to school someday and I would like to have enough food to eat. And that was Edward's sole ambition in life. And these words rang in Magnus's heart and he wondered how he could make Edward's dream come true. And he came up with this idea, though it is not an original idea, and uh, was that if he could bring food into Edward's local school, Edward would be attracted to the school, and in the school he would get the education uh, that would break the cycle of poverty. So bring the, the, the food to the school, the child's attracted to the school, the parents want the child to go to school because they're going to get fed, yes. but in the school then they get the most important bit, the education. Wow, and I mean, what an amazing story. And again, as I mentioned, uh, the, the number of children at the moment who are receiving school meals uh, each day, uh, 1.8 million, it's a, it's a fantastic success, isn't it, really? Yeah, our new figures just came out the okay. other day. We, we began with, with 200 children in 2002, and now we're feeding 1,838,859 mm. children. Fantastic. Well done to everybody involved. I mean, it's... Um, and again, of course, the whole area of... Um, Poverty globally, I mean, there's, uh, I was reading some figures, Father, uh, 300 million chronically hungry children in the world and, um, you know, around 61 million do not, uh, don't go to school. Um, so, like, you know, it's really, it's really, really sad, isn't it? It really is sad. And, but this is one of the great joys of Mary's Meals is that we, we, we're realistic, we look at them big figures, but we don't concentrate on the big figures. Yes. And this really is what attracts me to Mary's Meals. When I look at 30 million children, I can do very little. 
but I can do something about the next child waiting for Mary's meals. And we can feed a child for a full year in the place of education for 18 euros and 30 cents. So I can't do something about 30 million children, but I can raise 18 euros and 30 cents and feed that child for uh, a full school year, giving them an, a nutritious meal every day. So it, when I heard this, this became, in my heart, uh, a doable, a doable, if that, I don't even know if there's a word called doable. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, absolutely. It became a doable thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't raise 10 million, but I can raise 1830. And that's why it becomes the, the great um, doable charity for me. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I suppose... Um, even though it's not a lot of money, I suppose trying to fundraise now is is a difficulty for every charity, isn't it? Really, over the last twelve months, and I mean, I'm sure you're finding it yourselves the same. It's a challenge, but but um, you have lots of ideas, um, don't you, to try and raise some funds? Uh, we we will try everything and anything. Yeah. Uh, the last three years, I have walked from Kilkenny to Knock. Yes. Uh, I picked Kilkenny because I went to the school in Kilkenny for one year. Oh, did you? Right. Uh, and we. Um, we started the walk uh, from Mallon, north of Donegal, to to Knock, and then every year we went. I went somewhere else to try and expand it. So last year we had six different walks: Limerick, Kilkenny, Dublin, Northern Ireland, and and, and Mallon. And we all converged on on Knock, mm. and it, it was wonderful. And uh, you know that that. That, that each person's doing the exact same thing, trying to raise another 1830, another 1830 to feed another child. And, and gradually, we're hoping, we're hoping before the end of 2021 to be feeding over 2 million. Yeah. Again, as you were saying yourself, like, you know, it's, it's really kind of trying to make something that that's possible to do. And the figure of 18 euros 30 for, for a year, it's really like within all of our grasp to do it, isn't it? It is within it's within the grasp even of a child. Yeah. It is indeed. And nine cents is the worldwide average with Mary's meals for a natural meal. Nine cents. Wow. And like your own involvement, you've been involved now obviously for a number of years. I've been involved roughly for about eleven years, and, and my involvement came in very simply. Yeah. Uh, one of my colleagues was involved with a, a new fledging uh, charity called Mary's Meals. And he was just getting involved three, three or four months, and wasn't he, he moved. And he just says to me, maybe you would keep an eye on them and help them out any way they, they can. It's a very good organisation. So I went to a few meetings, and sure, within within a short period, I was I was as, as excited about anybody about the charity because it, it becomes possible to to touch, not just look at the poverty, but to touch and to improve. It's not just about gawking on and saying oh that's a wild pity we can actually do something and Mary's Meals in Donegal took on a school Yeah, uh, it's in Liberia it's called the John Pavola School and we, we we feed the children there and when we began feeding there we we had a, a population in the school of roughly 390 pupils because of the steady supply of food to that school the population now is 850 so that's what happened. The child sees that they're, they're, if they go to school, they'll get fed, and getting fed, then they get the education. And it, it, it's um, joyful to, to see the improvement in, in, in what can be done. You know, it, it's not just a, a, pity, a pitiful cry. It's, it's a cry of hope. 
absolutely. And again, um, there's a very much a community involvement too um, with Mary's Meals that uh, the local community themselves kind of uh, take take ownership also and to make sure that everything is provided um, each day. So that's a important part of it too. It says it. It's a huge part of Mary's Meals. Yeah. To understand Mary's Meals, we must understand that we're not going in sort of saying to the the people that we're feeding, "Oh, we're great. Look at us." It's all about we're only supplying the food. So you need to play your part as well. So we need people to collect the firewood, to cook the meals, and to leave everything ready for the next day. Yes. We need volunteers. And so before Mary's Meals goes into a school now, they need to come up with a two-weeks rota of, of people who will actually volunteer their time to do all these jobs so that the children... I will be fed. And it's not difficult to get these volunteers because the community out there sees that it is an improvement for, for their community to have the children fed at school. And recently, um, November 12 months last, I got the opportunity to travel to Zambia yes. and uh, to watch the cooks cooking in the heat, me sweating just looking at them in the heat and then the heat of the fire and then singing as they stored those big, big pots so that uh, their children could be fed. It was just wonderful. Wow, that's that's an amazing story. And again, I suppose, just to um, I suppose to go back to yourself and uh, being involved, I mean, again, uh, the, the fundraising, I know there's a, there's a um, at the moment you have a auction on eBay um, and it's uh, Kenny Hurley signed by uh, ex, I presume, or present Kenny players. Is that right? Yeah, it's... Um it was just a gift donated to us. There was a lovely man up here, uh, not far from us, uh, lived in Northern Ireland, Dennis Edenry was his name. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, sorry, Dennis McGuire, he's from Edenry. He he was a great uh, hurling fan. And yeah. you know, up here in the North, there's not that many hurling fans at all. Dennis had uh, some special needs and that sort of thing, but somehow along the line, he became a great... Kilkenny fan and he used to go to the All-Ireland Finals Right. and if Kilkenny won he went to Kilkenny for a year and if Kelly, Kilkenny lost he came home very sad so when uh, Dennis passed away in 2013 his family thought they, they would love to do something to, to help some charity Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the other night uh, his sister and niece came to me and presented me with a signed hurley of a lot of the uh, Kilkenny players yes. from the 2012 era and uh, they had signed it and they had uh, given it to Dennis and um, you know it, it, it has a great um, feel about it in the sense that now we're doing something in Dennis's memory that will yes. change just a piece of timber into food for children. It's an amazing story Father Kelly. And um, yeah, and again, just for for our listeners, uh, how they might go about maybe uh, having a look on, on eBay and uh, maybe putting in some uh, bids on it. Well, I th- I've, my understanding is closing, that yeah. the link is is already up on your website. Yeah, great stuff. The KCR uh, website, and um, if anybody wants to um, put a bid on it, they're very welcome. You know, the great uh, Henry Shefflin and DJ, and ah, oh, there's a lot of a lot of players. Uh, that, that are known to the country. Oh, it's a wonderful um, opportunity for any hurling fan or any GA fan, any sporting fan uh, to have that um, in their home would be a wonderful 
um, situation really so like hopefully it's going to go very well for you I'm sure it will and um, I suppose also I've just been reading that you've recently published a book yourself I suppose really kind of um, I suppose about what you've seen in the work that you do am I right in saying that? Aye this is um, this is a wee book that took out for Mary's Meals uh, it's called Please Feed a Child Yeah. and it's my experience when I was in Zambia uh, I was very impressed with what happens when I went to Zambia when when I got onto the third plane I got this feeling oh, doubt and what happens if it's not as good as I said for the last 11 years if, if it's not as good if they don't do it as well as I have said it in and when I was coming home I, I sort of laughed at myself having those doubts because I can put my hand in my heart and say they actually do it better than I can even describe. Yeah. That they can transform our 1830s into a child smiling. And and the beauty of seeing the children, you know, myself included, Irish people have a tendency to eat fast. Yes. These take the, the mug of, of the porridge and they sit with their friends and they take their spoon and they savour every moment and they lick the spoon this way and that way and then they'll they'll scrape every ounce of that wee mug to make sure that they've got the the last bit of energy out of the out of that mug. You know, so it was it was lovely to see it. It's very sad that it's needed, but at the same time, very hopeful that it's possible. And you know, we guarantee that ninety three cents in every euro goes directly to our charitable causes. Yeah. We are all volunteers on this side, and mostly volunteers. On, on the side of the school feeding program and we, we everything we do through the likes of this book is actually costing Mary's Meals nothing Yeah, and we sell it for 6 euros and 10 cents a funny figure but if you buy 3 you feed a child for a full year excellent 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 um, I, I don't know if you have the book handy Father if you wouldn't mind maybe would you be able to maybe just maybe read one of the poems for us no problem at all. If anybody does want a poem, yeah. I'm I'm very easy to contact. You can give out my my phone number or that, or put it up on the website. And uh, I'm just in Convoy, C O N V O Y, C O N V O Y, County Donegal. Uh, perhaps maybe before we hear the poem, just how are you doing yourself? I mean, obviously it's it's been a difficult year for everybody, but um, I hope you're keeping well. And I, I am keeping well. Uh, like most people, well fed up with the uh, yeah. the close down and the lockdown. But at the same time, I have a, a, a live streaming camera in the church, and that has kept me going. I, I, we have all sorts of things going on. So even though I don't see people, I know people are there. We're praying together, and we're hoping that the pandemic will pass fairly soon. Absolutely. And again, I just I forgot to maybe ask as well. You, I, I suppose you're looking for volunteers uh, as well. I mean, each year, would you, how, how, how would people maybe volunteer to support... Yeah. Um, the charity? We have a very good website, marysmeals.ie, yeah. yeah. and everything can be done through that website. Excellent, excellent, Father. Um, so maybe I might ask you just to read one of your poems of your, of your choice for us here. Okay, when we were in Zambia, uh, one of the, the lovely things we saw was of football, people playing football. Uh, and uh, the boys and the girls love football, and the um, the um, the, the, the enjoyment is absolutely amazing but when I looked a bit closer the ball was cloth tied up 
with string. Yeah. So it's just this poem's called Tied Up Ball. Lovely. I saw them play with a tied up ball, with broken brick the goal to mark. I heard them call for a pass just right, with a sharpness that was dark. In dusty field, they ran without fear to help their team win the game. In the pretend World Cup final and the opposition to truly tame. On grassless earth, stars they imitate, running forward whenever they can, defending tightly when it is needed, the desire to win they only understand. Every fibre sweating from the inner core, each one staying strong, straight and tall, fully concentrated for the team's need to win the game with a tied-up ball. So, oh, that was I never thought I'd be on radio <laughs> reading poetry. Oh, listen, I mean, <laughs> you've got a career in radio anytime you want, <laughs> Father Kelly, please, absolutely. Um, and uh, listen, I really appreciate you sharing your, your time with us today, first of all, and uh, up there in the beautiful Convoy, County Donegal, and uh, I really do want to wish um, the Mary's Meals, um, you know, as much... Um, fundraising uh, success that, as, as you can have and uh, I just had all the details for the current uh, eBay auction of Kenny Hurley uh, details are on our website here as well and um, I look forward to speaking to you again if it's okay at some stage Father Anytime at all Frank and thank you and thanks to all your listeners for listening You're very good Thanks Father Emily em- em- Kelly Talk to you soon God bless you Bye bye Oh yes indeed and uh, welcome back to Kilkenny today and uh, lovely man indeed and um, what a great fundraising idea and uh, what great work Mary's Meals are doing and uh, if you can support please do and um, um, I suppose it's nearly time for me to go but I want to say a big thank you to all my guests today on the programme to Paul Commons from Kilkenny Storm Ice and Inline Hockey Club and again please do support the March to the Rink campaign uh, they've got a GoFundMe page and uh, it's a great local story and um, they really deserve all the support that they can get locally and nationally and also to Dr Shane Cassidy from Neurolinks and um, a very interesting um, I suppose development in relation to music therapy and the importance of it I haven't really got much time for the papers but just I would say um, many thanks to Ray Clear for sending me in a text here I just see it now that today the Irish Times newspaper was published on March 29th 1859 yeah many many years of great publications indeed and thanks to Ray for that and um, just have a look at the Irish Independent because I think it's probably a story that's going to be breaking uh, or, or making more news during the week and it's uh, the headline is New University for the South East expected to open next year and the report is from Ralph Regal and it, they, it goes on to say that the South East is set to celebrate the end of a decades long campaign with its long awaited new university expected to be operational by January 1st next year apparently. So the TUSEI will be created after the president of Waterford Institute of Technology WIT confirmed that there had been progress on finally bringing the project to fruition. It will be formed through the merger of WIT and uh, Carlo uh, IT as well. And um, the WIT president, uh, Willie Donnelly, told WLRFM that there had been a com- coming together of minds to ensure plans to get uh, TUSEI up and running uh, were, were resolved. And a review of the project by an international panel has been completed and it is expected that a formal proposal to enact the proposals uh, will be submitted by April. Uh, 
So um, the government's Department of Education and Higher Education Authority have all signalled their support the prince, uh, towards the principal of University for the South East, and uh, which is Ireland's most populated region without a university. So um, as I said, obviously lots of discussion in relation to Kilkenny's input into this. Um, even on last week's Kilkenny People, if I can find it here, I know Malcolm Noonan put forward the idea perhaps of um, a campus dedicated to the creative arts um, could be the branch of the Technical University of the South East that Kilkenny should pitch for Minister Malcolm Noonan has uh, said and uh, he was speaking at a meeting of the Kilkenny County Council recently so that was on last week's Kilkenny People so as I said lots more probably to come in relation to that story but it's um, it's good that it's finally been settled uh, hopefully and um, what else do we have here before I go uh, just weather forecast for the week. Wild, windy week ahead with temperatures to swing from 7 degrees Celsius to 18 degrees. So what can we do? But listen, hope you enjoyed the programme. Until we talk again, have a great week. And um, I'm back on Wednesday. And uh, take care of yourself. Bye. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.